Guardadores. A dedicated dad and long-distance parent, I'm raising two boys in two countries, and in each episode, I invite another dad to join me in a podcast adventure to talk about our journey as parents. We will discuss the messiness of modern dadding and the challenges of long-distance parenting. At the end of each episode, I will be checking in with psychologist and fellow dad Todd Kettner as he shares his insights into parenthood. My name is Blue, and I am a Dad Without Borders. Today I talked to Mo, a multi-talented mountain biking dad and master diaper changer. We talk about his experience as a stay-at-home dad, babyland, stealing food in the maternity ward, the importance of bonding with your kids when they're young, and managing expectations as a parent, while leading by example. Mo offers some great insights as a husband and dad. Please enjoy. So Mo, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast adventure. So maybe the first thing we should do is introduce your household. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for having me, Blue. Um, so there's four of us, including myself. So I've got uh, my, my wife, Anna, and uh, two kids. My eldest is Lincoln. Uh, he is uh, seven, turning eight, and uh, my youngest is Gemma, who turned six in November. And so, yeah, that kind of constitutes our our little bundle. Cool. Um, I remember you having a really interesting work history. Yeah, it was. It's it's not intentional. Like it's funny, like that you mentioned that. And every time I kind of write a resume, and I, I kind of always forget about a lot of it, and then. When, you know, people prompt me, um, like, oh, dig deeper. There must be blah, 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 blah. And then I start digging. I'm like, all right, I did this and that. But, uh, yeah, I, I started off, uh, well, I guess I guess the, the, the best way to kind of, like, capture some of it in a nutshell was my grandfather, when I was a kid, I was working on the building side. I think I started working school holidays when I was, I think, six or seven. And that was, like, stacking lumber on these building sites, chipping bricks, like, mortar off bricks, and just basically just being like doing all the dirty work that nobody else wanted to do. And um, my grandfather said to me, and this is like stuck with me like forever. And I'm now I'm imparted this on my kids is that um, if there's, if there's crap to be shoveled and you're willing to do it, there's always a job for you. And, um, and obviously he didn't say it in a, a sanitized version like that. But it kind of stuck with me and it's true. Like always, if, the, you know, if there's a crappy job somewhere and you're willing to do it, you'll always be employed. Um, started traveling and just through, I guess, traveling, I fell into these jobs and the same thing. There was this vacuum that there was this job available and I just put my hand up for it. And some of them were, you know, kind of less uh, glamorous jobs and some of them were kind of, kind of, were kind of cool jobs. Um, and so, yeah, I started traveling and then I think, what, how did that happen? I think, yeah, we settled here and it took a bit of adjustment, um, like to get, you know, into Nelson just with, you know, making friends and this and that. It was a little like, we had some friends initially that we had met, um, but uh, yeah, and we settled. And then I think at a certain point it just clicked and it worked. Um, so you were pretty well settled before 
kid number one comes along. Yeah. And then uh, we bought a place pretty quickly, actually. Uh, I think eight months after being here. And I remember people like, you're crazy. Like the market's going to go down. It's going to go down. Like don't buy, don't buy. It's so expensive right now. And luckily we, we didn't listen to anybody and we just bought because straight after we bought, prices started going up. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was kind of crazy. So we bought. And then I think that was really like, we bought, then a year later, we got married. And then it was like, this, this is it. Like we're, we're here now. We're rooted here. And, right. and then it was funny because Anna was always on the fence with having kids. Um, oh, she, yeah. was, she wasn't, for me, I was like, oh, I'd love to if everything lined up. Where yeah. she was kind of like, well, we'll see what happens. She was more apprehensive, I guess. Where yeah. I was kind of like, I was all in. I was like, let's have kids. Yeah. So you were, so you got married and then you felt like, okay, we're on the train now. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that was a discussion I had early on too, because I, at, oh, yeah. I think Anna and I, yeah, like when we'd met, like I'd already met a few couples that kids was a deal breaker for them. Me and too. Was, I've come across that. Yeah. And, and it was one of those things that was never really discussed in the beginning or the early stages of the relationship. And then, you know, they're invested five or 10 years and then it comes up of, Hey, I want to have kids where the other one doesn't. And, um, and it, it basically, yeah, it poisons the relationship. And, and so I, I saw that. So I was a bit cautious. And so like Anna or like, I, you know, I loved her and she was a great girl when I first met her, but that was one of the things I just said to her is like, Hey, you know, like if this works out, I would, you know, I would like to have children. Like, what are your thoughts on that? And she wasn't like strongly opposed to it and was like, I'm open to it. If, you know, if everything lines up and I said, totally awesome. Yeah. So that was kind of like the, the first, one of the first things, which probably sounds pretty heavy and scary, you know? I think it's, it sounds like a grown up conversation to have though. You know, I think it's, a, I think that was a, a wise move on your, on your part to open that conversation up. Because I think you're right. I've I've known at least a couple couples. Exactly that comes up, and they go to counselling. And in a, one case, a kid does come along, but the relationship doesn't survive. So it's yeah. yeah, no one wants that. Yeah, you know, and and so like, and for whatever reason, if you know we weren't able to have kids, then that was something that you know I'd be okay with. But I didn't want that that door to be closed and locked from the get go. And yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And so fast forward back to Nelson, um, we're all settled, you know, we'd bought a house, we'd gotten married and, um, we're like, all right, let's, are we going to have children? And Adam was like, yeah, let's do it. So along comes, yeah, Lincoln. So there was a bit of a plan. So yeah. Cause I felt a lot of, um, I felt a lot of pressure seasonal work to, I need a stable job. I need to be paying all the bills. I need to like, in the same sense to step up like my dad did and be the, be the main earner. Right. And we had talked about mum being at home with the kids, so or with the kid, um, with Seth, my oldest, who's now seven. But yeah, so that was the decision that mum would stay at home uh, for the first couple of years uh, in a relationship that sadly didn't work out. But for those first two years, yeah, she was very much the, the stay at home and I was the breadwinner. But that was, I found that really stressful to, to like, how was the transition for you? Like you sound, sounds to me like I was open to it when I was younger, when 25, whatever, I was like, yeah, I, I can see that happening, me settling down, having kids. But by the time I had my first, I was 39 and I'm 46 now. And 
I was good. I was good. I was fine, happy on my own. I had nephews. I felt like the bloodline had been continued. Pressure was off apart from the pressure on my, from my mother, I think to have a kid, but, um, (laughs) you know, it's just that natural, you know, parents want their kids to settle down and have a family and all that stuff. But apart from that, I was, I was totally happy. So for me, yeah, it was a big shift. That they were just like, we don't even know what Mo's doing or where he is. And <laughs> that sounds like me too. But I think with that, my parents hoped that I would come to an end of that. I think they'd kind of given up on me because like both, <laughs> I got, I'm the oldest out of three and I've got uh, uh, a younger sister who's two years younger. Um, like I'm 41 and I've got a, a younger brother who's five years younger. And I think after I'd left and they'd realized that I wasn't coming back, um, because the, the hope was always that, oh, he's just traveling. He'll come back at some point. And yeah. 95% of Aussies probably do go back and then 5% yeah. actually stay. Um, and I, I just made up those figures, by the way, too. So don't, don't quote <laughs> me on that. Yeah. I could, be, I, I could be, yeah, exactly. I could be horribly wrong. And so, yeah, they kind of like, like, well, you know, he's just doing whatever he's doing. But I've got these other two siblings. I've got these other two kids that they'll provide grandchildren for me. Um, and yeah. so I think it was a bit of a surprise to them when I told them, Hey, uh, you know, Anna and I were pregnant and we're having a baby. So, yeah. 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 So, so with that, did you guys discuss the roles of who, you know, you're super capable. You've done a lot of things. You could get work without question. Anna's a physio. So she's got, uh, you know, her kind of career path laid out. Did you guys discuss who's going to stay at home? Like, how did that, how do you figure that out? Yeah, well, we just, I guess we discussed that we agreed that she would give birth. Um, That's, and yeah, that works. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's important to talk about that kind of stuff. Um, and no, I think she, Anna was like already established in her career and had a really solid career going that it kind of it would have been financial suicide for us to now play the traditional roles and say, you know what? No, I'm the man. I have to provide you stay at home. Like it, it just didn't make sense. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I, you know, I am, and I was, and still am such a big kid that, you know, for me to stay at home and, and take care of the kid was like, you know, not a big deal. Um, but it wasn't something, I don't I don't know. Like it was just Anna made, made more money and her, her job was the one that's really paying the bills at the end of the day. But she did, she, she probably got maternity leave, eh? She did. Yeah. She took the year off. Um, oh, yeah, and perfect. yeah, so she took the year, uh, maternity leave off. And, um, then I was kind of like in the, I was doing seasonal work and, um, that winter, I don't think was I working. I don't think I worked that winter anyway. So, um, which was, which is actually a good thing because, um, the, through giving birth to Lincoln, she had a few like, health complications with like high blood pressure. And so she was really um, kind of unable to, to really take full care of Link because she was suffering from like uh, massive migraines and, and headaches and stuff like that. And, and a few other things I can't remember now because it was such a long time ago, but um, so I really, I had to basically, you know, kind of step up for the initial, you know, a couple of weeks to uh, even months maybe to, to kind of take care of Lincoln. So I was doing a lot of the bottle feeding um, like, yeah. and the funny thing was, is that Anna was more nervous than I was. She was like, I, I don't, and I'm like, I, I got this babe, you know, don't worry. I know how diapers, I know whether, you know, how they fold and how they do this. And like, it was, and how to <laughs> feed. And so it was kind of pretty funny for me. She to chose like, wise, wisely. She chose. Yeah. Do you, I was going to say, do you, do you remember the, because the first moments I remember heading back home with the first from the hospital 
I just remember, th- I remember driving and I said to um, my now ex-wife, uh, but my kid's mom, uh, no, she said to me, she said, how are you feeling? And I, was, I remember driving and just being like, I'm really scared. And she's like, me too. And we were just both like, almost like deer in headlights as I was driving back to Weimar 20 minutes from the hospital. We were just like in a state of shock and then got back. And I remember, um, I remember, I really do remember going in as clear as day upstairs into his room and he was screaming, crying. And I remember just this kind of slight panic of just like, holy crap. Like it just felt like the most mental thing that we'd been let, let out hospital with a small with a small child it was just insane no idea how to change a diaper so i'm kind of figuring that out because the nurses do it in the hospital and then you're trying to figure out okay what they're crying is it because they poop the pants they need burping and there's like this checklist you kind of go through (laughs) instantly and it was like i just remember just being like totally overwhelmed in that first 48 hours back at home it's 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 never easy you know and i don't want to paint it the picture of oh yeah it was it was you know a total breeze and i had i had full control over everything like it was there was a lot of stuff that you know having your own kid every every child's different and and it's funny talking to parents about you know they have these hard and fast rules of oh no you have to do it this way and 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 that's why if you go into any bookstore and look at the you know like i don't know raising children section there's like a gazillion different books and different techniques by different doctors on how to do it because there isn't one book that covers yeah, everything. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, it's always, it always was kind of quite comical with uh, some parents, new parents, like, Oh, you have to do this and you have to, and it's just like, yeah, it's, you don't have to do anything. It's, you know, you, you're figuring it out and everybody's figuring it out as they yeah. go along. And that's, yeah. that's the adventure really. That's the really yeah. cool thing. Those, those breakthroughs of like, Hey, love, I just did this and it made, you know, it put him to sleep straight away. Right. And like totally. you'd five each other, you know, at the end of the evening. Um, and was that, and was that easy for you? Cause if, if Anna's back at, as a physio working after a year and you're at home, you know, doing all the kind of dirt, not the dirty work, but you know, cause she's involved too, but you know, you're changing the diapers, you're there all day. How easy was it with you guys transitioning back and forth as parents with certain ways of doing things? Like, did you guys, did you kind of have a plan going in of like, well, let's do it this way with the naps. Let's do it this way. With, you know, people have different sort of parenting styles, right? Like how do you, well, was she very much, I'm, I'm trusting you with how you're setting the foundation during the day. So when I come well, back, I'm just going to fit into what you're doing. Early on, she was just like, I'm right now I'm suffering physically and I just got to recover. So you just take over. So it was a hundred percent me in the beginning. Um, but uh, yeah, we didn't. And then as time passed and then I went back to work and stuff like that, we didn't really, and I, it was kind of quite organic and for better or worse, we just, we didn't have, and we, we had arguments about what we, you know, like what we should do with like sleep training because Lincoln was a. Oh yeah. That's a big one. Up, that's a big one. Right. And, and, and it's a very, very controversial topic as, as is like immunization and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Sleep training was like, you know, do we do the, I think it was like the Ferber method where, or the cry it out and like the, yeah, yeah. there was a, I can't, you know, it's, it's been a while back now thinking about it, but there's a few different, you know, like uh, trains of thought and, um, and that we really struggled with, you know, like stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's and, a tough, it's a tough one. Yeah. Cause yeah, I just trying to remember, well, I don't know actually how you relate to this, but with, so I have two boys and there's a bit of a gaps so there's five years between them. 
number two, way calmer. Number one, I was really stressed out and feeling mm -hmm. like, you know, I was like on eggshells around the nap times and getting everything right on a routine. And if it was at any murmur, I would run to his room to make sure he wouldn't cry. And number two, I'm just like, <laughs> well, mum is slightly more on edge than I am because I've been through it the first time because it's her first. And right. uh, yeah, I remember like this time around, but I remember the first time being stressed and the second time being like, you know what? He's going to survive. Like, it's all good. Yeah. You get, you, it's easy to get oversensitive about the crying and the other pieces, but I think crying upset me more than it upset anybody else because I just couldn't handle it. It was like nails down a chalkboard. So yeah. I would just do everything I could and I was overthinking everything. And I look back on that. I can see it now because uh, my partner now is like that. My wife, I should say, she's mm -hmm. kind of like that. So it's much easier for me being the calm one. I can be the kind of grounding, right. grounding energy in the house. Which is Not good because you need that. Like uh, you, you never want both parents to be wound up. Yeah. Right. Like it's always good to have one that can be like, you know what? I've got this. You yeah. take a break. Right. Yeah. Rather than both of you like, and, uh, and it happens and sometimes, right? Totally. I'm being that person that can be just like, you know what? It's okay. Yeah, the exactly. It's crying and the, the kid missed a nap and it's okay. And I can be that person now, but before I wasn't for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's, it's funny. You mentioned like the whole scheduling and routines too. I think one of the things we, we both agreed on was to not have hard schedules. Um, and, um, we, you know, like Lincoln, he would nap in a stroller if we were out on a walk or something like that. And it was nap time. Yeah. We wouldn't be the parents that would like cut our activity short right. to get him home to nap or to feed or to eat. And, you know, like I'm, I'm sure if there's a comment section, there'll be like a lot of hate mail, like saying you can't do this and you should have, you know, because everybody has their own, you know, like uh, opinion on what's right and what's wrong. But for yeah. us, we wanted to also, we wanted to live and we needed that as well for yeah. us for like fresh air and getting out for walks because in the early days man it's crazy these kids they they're awake for maybe five minutes a day and yeah. like you just can't you can't get anything done yeah no it's true you need you need you know? to continue your life it's tricky yeah for sure and i don't yeah i don't know that we found the perfect balance right now even with our two-year-old but we're getting we're getting there because he's not a great sleeper he's pretty sensitive yeah. but um we have been, we've already taken him out skiing twice over the last few days here. So, you know, oh, good job. we're on our way to getting back out into the real world and up the mountain. But yeah. so did you, cause what I never did do, to be honest, was I never read any books. I never read anything. I'd Google and there's a thing called baby center, which is the, I always find the baby center online whenever I search for any information and I'm going back really to like breastfeeding and nap time and what you feed them. Like, or did you, like, where was your go-to for a resource about how to do things? I'm the same. I never read any books. We did do the prenatal class. I remember that was one thing for Lee oh, yeah. when yeah. we did the prenatal, um, which that was really good. I guess more for the the birthing side, that was completely new and foreign to me. And that was kind of cool to see um, how that all works. Um, and, uh, but we, I remember, we did, did you sorry, remember? Anything? I just feel like I didn't remember anything from that class. It calmed my nerves a bit, <laughs> but I can't actually, honestly, if I went into the hospital, I was, I, I was given a, I don't know, multiple choice about what was going to happen. I wouldn't have had a clue. Like, did you get much from it? Seriously? I, I did. Actually, I did. It's funny. Um, I, I, I don't remember any of it now, but I do remember back then um, because I think Anna was laboring for, uh, I can't even remember how long it was like 17 or 20 hours. Like it was, 
it was a long, long time. And so I remember just pulling out all those techniques for like, all right, hey, babe, let's try going on the ball, the big ball, and let's like rubbing the back and like, let's try yeah, feet yeah. up, let's try on your side. And just really, I think at the end of the day, they're all just um, arts of distraction. Distraction. The, totally. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. be like, you know, like, yeah. Just, let's hey you know let's not think about this and she's like oh my god and i'm like hey what about you know let's get over here and so i don't know if that was like totally annoying and she's just thinking to herself like oh my god i'm gonna kill mo if he doesn't shut up like but uh yeah so that was kind of the biggest thing um that i remember just be like oh yeah what was the rubs that i need to do oh yeah hey babe yeah. let's get on the ball let's go in this position see if this helps that's um, true. That's true. The distraction, yeah, moves. Yeah, and that was that was the, I think the biggest thing that I I took away from. Yeah. From, Did you guys have a doula or anything, or was it no, just you guys? No, we didn't. So, it was just us and then and the our, our GP, our family GP, in Nelson Hospital must have been. Yeah, yeah. Which in itself is brilliant. You almost you don't. I mean, they're they're so fantastic. The nurses there and the maternity ward. I was just blown away. Oh, I can't speak highly enough of the Nelson hospital. And really, uh, I think, you know, I don't know if everybody realizes how lucky we are giving birth to children in Nelson. Yeah. I would talk to friends in Calgary and they got kicked out after like the next day. Oh yeah. Whereas like in Nelson, I think we end up staying six days or something like that. What? That's yeah. awesome. And, that's, that's and I, I, I felt, I felt guilty. Like, you know, it's like, are you going to start charging us for like room rent or something? No like, doubt. But the nurses were like, because Anna was still recovering, and the nurse was like, no, just listen, Anna's not strong enough yet. Just take another night. And I'd be yeah. like, really? Like, are you sure? Like, I feel guilty of taking up this bed. And like, no, no, we're fine. I was told, like, straight up by people, just stay there as long as you can. And it's true because they feed you, they change the kids' diaper. Well, they don't feed us. They feed. They feed. That's true. <laughs> I found. I always found a way. I found a way. I actually got a funny story about that. Um, because I was in, I was living in the hospital with, with Anna the whole time. Yeah. And um, I, I didn't get fed. So I end up actually like scrounging food off the, the food carts out front because people wouldn't eat their meals. And they'd be like sandwiches still cling wrapped and like bits of food that hadn't been touched at all. Like you could just see someone just said, I don't want any food, just get it out. And so yeah. I brought like, I'd grab these sandwiches and I'd be like, oh babe, eating a sandwich. There's, there's food left. Like, can you believe it? And Anna's laughing, shaking her head. And actually, I think a nurse caught me. Like, I think it's the third or fourth day I was doing it. Um, and she's like, you can't eat that food and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, why? Where's it going to go? And she's like, oh, we're going to throw it away. But you can't have it. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like, oh, yeah. Rather... So you, were, you were busted. Yeah, I, I got busted and I got yeah slapped on the wrist. But do uh, did you know? You probably know this. The El, this is how great Nelson is. The El Taco restaurant. Do you know they give free meals? No, I didn't. You missed out on that. So El, no word of lie. El Taco. Not enough people know about this. El Taco is a restaurant, Mexican restaurant in um in Nelson. And when you when you give birth, so you're a newborn, you go in, you tell them you've had a newborn, they give you a full meal. And in fact, the, with um my first Seth, two free meals and drinks. And with, I was a little upset the second time because the second time I went in five years later, um, albeit uh, a one meal for the mum, So no meal for the dad. So they downgraded, but yeah, it's fine. And, and after this podcast, they'll probably sh shut up shop because uh, there's too many. Everybody's exactly. Everybody will be claiming free meals. 
Wow. Um, so that just goes to show you how awesome, like, you know. We're lucky. We're very, very lucky in this town, yeah. for sure, I think. Yeah. Um, and that's why lots of people are moving here from Calgary, Vancouver, and other areas. Mm-hmm. I just wonder, like, in terms of your stability, in terms of work now, because um, I, I do think about this a bit. So I've made, I made a decision to have find stable work that would just pay the bills. I don't know that it's the dream job. Um, and I just wonder if you've, if you think about that, if you ever think about, you know, if the, is there anything beyond the engagement? Cause the kids are going to get older. Mm-hmm. You know, I realized with Seth, even he's talking about when he comes back this summer, he's asking dad and he's seven. So I'm going to have to think about this, but he's asking, can he go off and he'll be eight by the summer. Can he go off with his friend in town, bike to the bike, to the skate park on their own. But, um, but as he does that and he grows older, I do, I've just started to think like, and that you know what i mean so i just wonder if you're thinking about that yeah i have been like it's i'm still like i went back to school to um well i'm I'm kind of in limbo right now but i'm at school as a student uh trying to complete my uh, degree in mechanical engineering and that was part of part of that like kind of growing up i guess and and wanting to pursue a different career um and obviously with the crazy year we've had, like I've, I've gone back to, I've had, I've had to shelve that and go back to excavation and which it's funny because my kid thinks is the best. Like he was so bummed. Oh yeah. No doubt. He was so bummed when I told him that I wasn't excavating anymore. Cause like we'd have machinery in our yard or whatever. And he just like, he thought it was the best. And now me going back to, you know, going into engineering, he was like, he was beside himself. Like he was so bummed and he kept asking me, Papa, when are you going to start running machines again? And I'm like, well, I don't know. And funnily enough, I'm back running machines again, which, you know, isn't a bad thing, but it's, this it's is funny. The, that, this is because of the pandemic, right? The, the right. School. Yeah. 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 Online schooling just became so unmanageable, especially for engineering with having kids around because uh, they weren't in school. Uh, my right. wife wasn't working. Her clinic had to be, had to close. And then uh, here's me like hiding away in, uh, in the basement um, trying to focus on some pretty focus. heavy yeah. academics yeah yeah and then also being you know like asked questions all the time like hey papa where's this and you know do you know what this is and uh, i just couldn't focus so i end right. up having to shelf it yeah so so yeah. you but you're gonna go back to that it's just on hold i would like to i'd like to it's it's tough to you know to know what's happening because i find too like being a parent and for me um i just i don't know i don't want to have that regret of not being there for my kid yeah, I agree. And, and it's such a short window that we have. And, you know, you, are in, you and I are, are in that window because our kids still want us. Yeah. They think we're cool. They want to spend time with us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, that window will close and will come back to us later on in, in life if we, if we uh, like do it properly now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. hundred percent, which brings me to my next question. So, Aside from the career and like being a positive impact on your kid in the sense of, and I, one of the reasons I asked that question too, is because of my experience with court and because the court saw me or the judge, I should say the, this individual judge saw me as being someone who was sacrificing my earning potential by devoting too much time to my kid. So that definitely got me thinking and it stayed with me. And even though I know what's true to me, which is spending time with my kid and just that quality of life really, and just not, sacrificing it for the big dollars mm-hmm. um, which i know in some people's eyes is the right decision you know in order to provide for your family and so on and so forth but doesn't mean you need to earn big bucks to provide for your family and you know and 
chase the career which takes you away from the kids. Like I would never, I mean, good on anyone that's like furthering their education, but I just don't want to commit the time so that, you know, so much every evening is spent studying and then during the day I'm working and it's just too much mm-hmm. when you've got a young kid. Maybe that'll shift for me. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I just wonder because my dad was very much like that growing up. Like he was away working, uh, just classic ge- generational, like that was what dads did you know, in the eighties and, you know, and even, even now I got friends that who they live that life where they are away working and that's the focus and they're around at the weekends, but you know, that essentially work is the focus of life. Whereas I've shifted that. So how was your upbringing and did that impact you and kind of your, cause I know you got a skate park in the back and a pump track in the back for the kids. Mm-hmm. So- yeah, I guess for me, uh, one thing was like my, my mom never worked until, we were in high school and um and so my dad was the he was the the earner he brought you know he brought in the money to the family um and i don't know whether that's by choice or not or whether they discussed that but that was the way it was for better or worse and in what was it that 80s i think it was there was a huge recession financial recession in australia and my dad he was he had his own business he was working 14 to 16 hour days to keep the business afloat um, for, so we wouldn't lose our house. And so we wouldn't be on the streets. Right. Um, and so a lot of those hours were unpaid. He just did to, uh, to keep the, the company going. He wasn't paying himself. He just did it. So things wouldn't fold. And it's funny because my sister's very resentful of my dad not being around. Oh, really? Yeah. And would, um, you know, and if, you know, there's been a few conversations that we've had where she's you know, openly said like, you know, he wasn't there and he didn't do this and he didn't do that. Whereas me being just those few years older saw the pressure he was under and saw that he was doing this for us. It wasn't by choice. It's not because he wanted to work 16 hour days. It was something that he had to do so we wouldn't lose a house. So we wouldn't be on the right. streets. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for me, like now having my own children, I'm very fortunate with Anna having such a, you know, stable income that I didn't have to go, you know, um, and work these um, like shift works where you're away two months or away a month. Um, But that was something that I actually thought, I remember when once Lincoln was born or just shortly before, I remember saying I was working excavation and uh, telling this, you know, this client, you know, we, we were chatting and it's like, oh, I'm just about to have my first son and this and that. And, and I remember thinking, it's like, oh, I'm going to have to probably now to have full-time work excavating. I'm going to maybe have to go up to Fort McMurray or just, you know, an oil job or something like that to sustain, um, to sustain, like, I guess, family and, and to do that. Yeah. And he, he said to me, he's like, don't do that. Be there for your kids. Like, unless you fi- really, really have to financially and you have no other option, but if you can be at home, be at home. Yeah. And so, you know, like that was, you know, really made me rethink of like, okay, well, you know, what do we need to earn? What can we get by with and how can we make this work without me having to, to yeah, go yeah. and do those jobs? And so, you know, for, for me, I was, I'm, we are very lucky because Anna has that earning potential here in Nelson yeah. that uh, we, we didn't, I didn't have to go and get that job and, you know, I think you're right. I think the window is so important right now, but yeah, just how key that first, these first few years, these young kids, when they're so young to have that memory and that attachment to us as dads, as much as moms, I think Mm -hmm. it's that balance is so important. 
And so I think that's why me and Seth are so tight because I had to fight really hard to keep him here until he was almost five when he went back to the UK full time. But by that point, we'd canoed together, spent so much time together on obstacle courses and biking and skate, you know, just so many different activities. So tight that we've yeah. managed to maintain that connection through regular, almost daily, um, for the most part, FaceTiming. In addition to when we do see each other now, we're doing the fun stuff like skate park, skateboarding and things like that. Which and, is huge, um, yeah. Yeah, totally. And I did just even the skateboarding, like being such a new activity for me. And I know you, like you used to skateboard, right? And then you're kind of getting back into it or you... Yeah. Yeah, I was never could, good. I was never good. No. Like when you talk to dads about past sports, they'll always tell you they were the greatest and on the verge of becoming a pro. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I used to be the best. I used Especially to be around Nelson. In a mountain yeah, I used channel. to be an amazing skateboarder and and uh, I, yeah, I don't make that claim at all. I was always a mediocre skateboarder and um, even less less so now. Um, but uh, yeah, growing up, um, I kind of think about the stuff that would have been so awesome for me when I was growing up to have. And right. one of those was was uh, a half pipe and um, a pump track in my backyard. And so when uh, when yeah when you know having my own kids now that was one of the things that we looked at a house and, and I never said this until years later when the house we're in now I saw the pump track potential straight away in the backyard and was already planning how to how to do it and uh, how to build it. But it was like, yeah, I was just kind of like, you know what? This would be really cool for the kids and for me. And and it was actually one of the one of the most amazing projects I undertook with my two kids because they both were fully involved in it. Every oh, step is that right? So how old? Because yeah. they're young. Like how old? When you when did you build this? So the pump track I built, yeah. I built like what five years ago. So Lincoln was helping me with that, and he was out there with his little plastic shovel. Um, like so he's two at this point, isn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah, two or three, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. So they uh, haven't even taken up these sports yet, and you're deciding to build a bike park and a pump track. Yeah, they have like he, he has no idea what we're even building, I don't think. Um, but <laughs> but he's out there, and then I explained to him what I'm doing, and so he was it was so cute. He was building, and I wish I had some photos of him. He'd build these rollers, and I had like with pump tracks, yeah, it has to be kind of quite mathematical, as it just won't work. Right. And so I'd, I'd measured everything and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I knew where all the berms and the rollers and that gonna, were going to go. And so he's, uh, he's like, oh, Papa, Papa, check out this jump I'm building. And so he'd be building this little like mound of dirt completely in the wrong place that's going to get bulldozed. But I was just like, buddy, that's awesome. And so we would like, we'd build, and it was like a really slow process because of this, but we would build and then we'd take a break. And it's like, hey, bud, it's time to session what we've built. And sometimes we just like, we would just tear up the grass and that's as far as we've gotten, but it would be like, let, let's session, let's session it. And so we'd be riding this cut up grass figure eight with no berms, no rollers, nothing on it. And that was just what we'd do. And then some days that's as far as we got. And then the next day we'd come back and like, Hey, let's build this one roller. And so he was, he was there like every step of the way. It was, that's awesome. It's pretty awesome. And so, so with the, that being said, they're now a little bit older. Are they getting into the biking and the skateboarding? Oh, yeah. Are they still early stages? Oh, no. Like, um, they, uh, especially Lincoln, he's like totally anything two wheels, loves it. And is actually quite, quite talented at it, too. Like, he has that body movement where he, when you see him ride, it's like very fluid and it's like he gets it. Like, 
Um, and I don't know why that is or like. Did he ski? He does ski, yeah. Yeah, because that might ski. be. Yeah, Seth started skiing when he was two. And um, he became a good skier pretty quickly over the three winters that he skied a lot. And I feel like that's helped him transition to biking, particularly. He's really into biking. I'm trying not to push them in any one direction, but just kind of make make sure they have access to as many different activities and sports. So when they find their groove in any one thing, but also make sure they have a really good foundation in one sport. So Seth has that in skiing, I would right. say. And so he's now taken that to, to a few other things, scootering being a big thing. Yeah. But, but with that too, and I'm wondering if you have thoughts about this, I'm not going to lie. I daydream about both my boys sometimes they're dropping in and it's Olympic. They're going for the Olympic <laughs> gold medal. Um, and I think usually it's ski cross where I'm like in my head, that's what they're doing. So I do have these aspirations for them to like, just like excel and go big and be the, be the best kids on the ski hill and, and then hit the competitions. I'm trying to, to, to pull that, rein that in and yeah. not have that expectation because actually here, I'll share this with you. So two days ago, we take Indy, who's two, straight up to the ski hill. And when I took Seth, the third run was not the bunny, but bunny hill, he did two runs. And then he wanted to go on the left, the Silver King left. So this is a left that's going up into blue runs and whatnot. And, uh, and we never look back. Indy, he was the kid two days ago, screaming in my arms, not happy, didn't want to be there. And I was like, oh, it's just killing me inside. Yeah. Oh, come on. You're going to be another, like, you're my prodigy. <laughs> Do you have feelings like that and expectations? Do you have to check yourself? Oh, totally. Totally. And the thing is too, like, um, with skiing, I remember in the early days, some days were a one run day and then back home. Totally. hundred percent. And yeah. I remember like being so gutted and just angry that like, we've spent more time in the vehicle, getting ready, getting everything packed than we actually did on the hill. And I remember For just, sure. yeah. just being so wound up with, with that. And I remember yeah. just like thinking to myself, like, what are you doing? We had one great run. They, they had fun. Like why, yeah. if I was to push them to do two or three later on, the, the minimum always in my mind was three. We do three runs. Oh yeah. I'm good. We can leave and, and I'm fulfilled. But I remember just thinking like, if I force them to do three runs every time, those two runs, they might hate. The next day, they won't want to even want to do one run. That's the thing, right? Yeah. And so it's for me, it was always like, keep it fun. And yeah. to just lower my expectations and to always make sure it's fun. And that yeah. was one thing with, with Gemma, my youngest. She's not really into biking that much. Doesn't really care much for the pump track. But she likes riding her BMX bike. And so we signed up as a family to race BMX this summer cool and so my wife you know we we bought a bike we got four bmx race bikes and we started racing the bmx so the whole family are going to be racing on bmx's yeah so we did that That's this brilliant. summer and and she loves riding on a bmx track she doesn't like in the mountains in the forest she doesn't like rough rocky right. terrain but for me it's like okay i'm i want to nurture you know and make it fun for her so i'm not yeah. forcing the mountain biking thing because one day it might click and she'd be like Papa, I want to ride. But she, and she's biking anyway, right? So she is biking. She is and biking. It's, she's it's, learning it's, some it's good skills. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and and the other thing too is like Lincoln, 
because Anna was actually selected for a World Cup uh, downhill mountain bike team back in the day uh, when she was living in Whistler. Uh, so she's a really good mountain biker. And I used to race downhill back in the day. And Lincoln's like, Papa, Papa, when can I race downhill? Like he's just keen and just gung-ho, but he's too young. I, I think it's 13. They can start racing the BC right. Provincial Cup. Yeah. And so I was like, Lincoln, let's, let's just race BMX. Like that's, you know, let's do that. And it's kind of really ticks all the boxes and gets us all as a family out riding. Um, yeah. But the expectation thing is, is tough, you know, like, um, because it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to push them. I want yeah. it to be fun. And, totally. and, that was, and that was one thing I read Tony Hawk, the pro skater, yep. I read his autobiography and I remember him saying that they all skated because it was fun, not because of where they saw they were going to end up or, you know, like yeah. they had no idea as 11, 12 year old kids that, you know, the career that they would have then would lead to what, what they've become now. Yeah. And pretty incredible. He says like he goes to skate parks and sees kids landing the most incredible tricks, but being totally bummed out because they're not pro and they're not sponsored. Right. And he said, they're missing the point. It's all about fun. And totally. It takes the heart out of it. Totally. And that's like, for me, it's like, let's just keep this fun. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'd say with Seth, that that, that was hundred percent. And I totally relate twice. I caught myself in the three seasons that we skied together a lot when he was here living full-time um and yeah it was if there was one run it was fine i'd let it go it was fine but it's just it's funny now having that kid that's I can't even get him on the barely get him on the slopes having said that we did get a, a huge smile out of him when he went down with me first time he just says no to everything he's like one of those stubborn <laughs> but you know what that might set him up well when he if he is ever going down that thing of skiing with friends competitions maybe he'll be that stubborn charger that just is hungry because Mike, man, he's stubborn. Um, That's like my daughter. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just, like for me, just, it was the only way. I actually, the only way I could get her to ski was reverse psychology. Oh yeah. And I just, it was always like, okay, Gemma, now I want you to ski behind me. I don't want you to ski off. I want you to just ski really, really slowly. And then she'd be like, Haha, and would just ski past me and be giggling and laughing her head off, the fact that she's being defiant. Right. Made her whole ski run and she oh, loved good. it. I like that. I like and that. And so I would always, you know, like th that was it. I'd be like, okay, we're going to go really, really slow now. I want everybody, to, I'm going to be in front. And, and she didn't, you know, she's like, I'm not going to be behind you, Papa. Like <laughs> I'm going to be in front. And so, and then we actually got down a run because otherwise it would be just tears the whole way down. Oh yeah. And so. Good. I like that. You know, my trick for both of them and it's working the second time around, dried mango, tons of dried mango. <laughs> yeah. Because they don't, they don't, for some reason it works. Um, but I'm sure like my, my method, if you would speak to any child psychologist, I'm probably reinforcing the fact that they're just going to be defiant in life. But yeah, it could be, but that, know, might, that might serve them well, you know? Uh, yeah, I don't know. She's definitely, she's a tough, she's a tough young lady. That's yeah. Lincoln was the opposite. He was just keen to be on skis and loved it. Right. Whereas, whereas the touch wood, I'm hoping that happens with the second. We'll see. He's yeah. good on a bike already. He's like progressed quicker on a bike, but yeah. yeah, time will tell. Just yeah, make it make it super fun. That's all I can say. Right, make it fun. Hundred percent. Well, there's no point in getting for. There's such precious moments with your kids that if everybody's getting frustrated, you're not going to look back with any joy. And so you might as well just enjoy the moment and just go with it. Exactly. Exactly. Rather than just. 
And I think too, with expectation, touching back on that, um, it's funny with mountain biking because some parents have said to me, wow, Lincoln's going to be like the next Red Bull Rampage rider and this and that. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I don't know, maybe. But then it's funny because if uh, like there's a, a mountain bike website called Pink Bike. Yeah. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. But if you look on there, you look at some of like this eight, nine-year-old kids backflipping their, their bikes. Yeah. Which is just like, that is next level. And I think about my kid and he's not you know, at that level. So it kind of puts it in perspective too of like, you know what? that's okay they're doing yeah, yeah. they're doing them we're doing us right yeah totally no you're right and yeah you and you don't want to feel like you, i would never want any sense of you know for me to thinking my kids failed in any way because he didn't get to that you know that goal that i always thought he would get to because he's naturally a good skier and therefore maybe he's going to take that path yeah it's i never want that pressure on my kid yeah as well, long as he's like happy and fulfilled or even was it, was it Andre Agassi, the tennis player from like the eighties? Yeah. He, he, I think it was, I think it was him. He hated tennis. He only did it because his dad forced him to do it. No way. Yeah. He hated tennis and still to this day, never really enjoyed playing tennis. What? Yeah. He hated it. Wow. That's what you're doing that for your kid. Yeah. You should, should actually, you should fact check that. Uh, I, I hope I've got the right <laughs> tennis player, but uh, yeah, he was, he was pushed and forced like his whole life. No way. And it was never like his love. Yeah. But right. so that's not be, something I want for my kid for sure. We'll be sad to think too that we were the reason that we killed a sport for our kid. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like that would that would 100%. break my heart for my kid, either one of them, Lincoln or Gemma, to say, you know what, Papa, I really enjoyed doing this, but you pushed me so hard. That's why I stopped doing it. To a child psychologist to see if this, like the kind of all this structured um, programs and stuff actually affects creativity in the future. Do you know what I mean? Like, will we, yeah. will we, will we see like Elon Musk's and Richard Branson's and those kind of people that just weren't, you know, like a, a just really creative people and they, the way their minds think creatively and thinking outside of the box, like having programs that are structured to show them all this stuff, will that, you know, kind of um, enable them to be, you know, like these free creative thinking outside the box kind of people. For sure. Was it easy finding community as a dad especially given that you were a full-time parent you know from from the kids young age yeah i think it was i mean and that's i guess that's the other thing that we're lucky about was living in nelson or in, even in the kootenays i should say that everybody here is pretty much doing the same thing activity wise you're climbing you're mountain biking skiing you know swimming kayaking canoeing those kind of things so um I would meet just organically a lot of other parents that were doing the same things that we were doing or mountain bikers that I knew that all of a sudden were having kids as well. And so it was just the natural thing that on the trails would you know, trade off. You guys go for a ride. I'll take care of your kid and vice versa or whatever. And so it was a, it was a pretty organic thing. I didn't, I didn't really look for, you know, groups. Like I knew there were groups out there and available and, and some parents had mentioned, Oh, I go to, there was a, a dad's group. I can't remember where it was the name escapes me now but there's like a, a dad support group for single dads that um and you know there's other i think it was like a pancake breakfast kind of dad's group um, oh yeah that's right yeah there is yeah yeah there was there was you know which are really cool initiatives um but i unfortunately i never um i kind of missed out on that like it just time just flew by and before i knew it like that kind of i missed that that window you're probably surviving day to day i mean with two kids pretty close in age yeah sometimes yeah sometimes um but uh yeah no we didn't 
we didn't make any kind of conscious efforts to to find any you know, special groups and like that. It, it happened yeah. pretty organically. So as a couple, you guys would be going out biking and running into other couples and with their kids. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes would set up um, like friends of ours that you know had kids because a lot of our friends had kids around similar sort of ages, right? Which was kind of unplanned, but it just happened that way. It was like this uh, chain yeah. reaction of like we're all this certain age, we're all settled. Um, That's you know. awesome. I didn't have that. That was one thing that I was for me was a bit of a shock. I didn't have friends that had kids at the same time. Right, right. Now, funnily enough, like a few people are jumping on the band, not the bandwagon so much, but they kind of <laughs> they're at that stage in their lives. Um, it's a cool yeah, thing so to do. Let's different. have kids. Yeah, totally. And so, when you do, if you ever do struggle as a parent, like in terms of what to do, and we did touch on this in terms of go to books, not so much. But do you did you have anywhere where you could go and find support and get answers, especially if Anna's working full time and you're at home? Yeah. Are the family around or? No, we don't have any family. So Anna's family, she's Anna's from Winnipeg originally, so all her family's there and. I'm from Australia, so all my family's there. So we don't have any like immediate family in Nelson. Um, so we did kind of lean quite heavily on friends, where, whether it was like after school pickup or daycare pickup, this and that. Sometimes it would be, you know, a phone call like, hey, tomorrow, can you pick up my you know, son or, or daughter after, you know, from daycare? Because I, I got whatever's happened and I can't be there. You know, I'll be there an hour later. So we, we had to definitely help those. And, and we're very fortunate that we've got some really great friends that um, it's just like, it's a kind of a very mutual um, relationship with pickup from schools right. and stuff like that. And yeah, still huge to this day, you know, I'll get a text at two 30 when I'm at school, picking up my kids saying, Hey, can you grab my kids too? And I'll be like, Oh yeah, sure. Flag <laughs> them awesome. over, you know? That's... And, and so, and it has to, I think it has to work like that because uh it really does take a village to raise a child and yeah you know you can do it on your own there's definitely no you know no problems about that but it is a lot tougher and, yeah for sure and uh so yeah so if you're so you you got a great community in nelson lots of other families you guys got support how do you keep connected with your family back in australia and indeed the the maternal side of the family in winnipeg you guys facetiming do you get to visit very much yeah, we, well, we don't, we go back to Australia, I think every four to five years. So oh, wow. Lincoln's, Lincoln's been there back twice and Gemma's been once right? Uh, because it's, it's like 10 That's, grand. It's a huge expense. Yeah. It's like 10 grand is a chunk of change that, you know, you could drop in mountain bikes. So yeah, it's tough for me to, to, you know, to make that, to make that investment. Um, but it is worthwhile too. Um, we go back and we, we, every time we go back, we love it. And there's tears when we have to leave. Um, Do you go back for a chunk of time, like for a month? Usually. Yeah. A, a month. Yeah. Four to six weeks. We right. try to. Yeah. Well, that's a good chunk of time. So, and now it's actually, that's been the biggest thing, I guess, for um, like my kids connecting with my family. Um, the digital thing never really worked out all that well. Um, no way. No, it's and for some people it works great, but for us, like my kids, they'll see my parents or see my siblings, and they'll be like, be walking, be like, "Hey," and they'll just be out of the picture. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's it's not really an engaged, you know, long conversation. Um, right. But whereas, like when we went to Australia, that really kind of cemented a, a bond. I think my kids, they're both really good at it, but I think it's just. When they're really little, they're really interested. And Seth mm -hmm. is really into it because it's the only way we get to connect. And he's so used to it now. But that was just, yeah, maybe just, he was just indoctrinated to it. 
Maybe that's why. Maybe yeah, like, dot. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Could be. Yeah, I never really kind of did it frequently enough at yeah. young enough age. That, yeah. So, but do, yeah. so do they do they get to come here? Do you any of your Aussie family been over? They have. Yeah, they came over pretty infrequently. Um, it's yeah, they they haven't come out as much as you know I would have liked, but for whatever reason, you know. Yeah, they, no, same with my family. They, it's they just, a long way for the older yeah. folks. Yeah, and especially um, for me, you know, having kids. How old was I when I had kids? Thirty. Can't even remember anymore. Thirty-three was with Lincoln. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, like my parents had, you know, had kids a lot younger when they're in their twenties, and so now, waiting, being an, an older kind of parent, I guess, that pushes my my, you know, my parents' age into more, you know, like a, right. Yeah. The yeah. higher they, they they don't have that energy to travel and do the yeah. stuff. For sure. Whereas, you know, if had I'd had, you know, children earlier, they would be younger and they'd have more energy than to take care of kids and travel right. more and do that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's yeah. pretty exhausting. Like even for me being an older, an older parent, I notice it like energy wise, like, wow, I can't, I can't run all day on the soccer field chasing a ball. Like I used <laughs> to, you know, like it's, it's tiring or being at the skate park or riding the pump track. You got to keep it up. I'm, I'm, I'm taking up running just so I can keep my fitness into my later years. So I can, <laughs> well, there you uh, go. So keep up. That's, yeah. that's dedication. Yeah. I should, yeah. I should do that. Yeah. Skateboarding, bring it on. Like what I, I honestly, I think I avoid injury now, not perform, not for performance on the like ski hill or climbing. It's more just performance as a dad. I just keep my, get the steroids going on here. That could um, be a new thing. CrossFit for dads. There you go. Yeah. 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 It's true. I do. I do feel it. Like I do have to maintain cause I'm, I mean, I'm not losing it. I'm 46, but I still, you know, climb pretty well and ski hard and whatever. But I'm definitely conscious, like, can't get injured for the boys. Yeah, I get injured yeah. for work now. I didn't, couldn't used to be because now I sit at the desk most of the time. But um, yeah, no, I got, I got to be there for the kids. Yeah. So, with you, so is there? Um, I'm interested if there's anything that you particularly learnt as a parent about yourself and just about how to raise your kids. Well, I guess firstly, like having kids, it's the ultimate mirror to your life and personality. Um, like having kids, like I remember just seeing this reflection of the things that I love about myself and the things that I can't stand about myself being reflected in real time back at me and just seeing like, wow, it, you know, that's, that's what I do. That's how I behave or, you know, and so that was kind of a big thing for me was just saying, oh, I've got to, you know, adjust this or tweak this or, you know, not behave like this or say these things or think certain ways or, or I should think more a certain way. Um, that was the biggest thing for me with kids was just seeing that they are, you know, real mirrors and they're sponges and they pick up like your personality and stuff Very like true. that. Yeah. Um, they, they see that and they act the way you act basically. So um, really leading, leading by example. Um, and a funny a funny story about that is um lincoln with the run bike or the, the balance bikes um at a at, at two years old um he was so keen to always ride his run bike which is great but he never wanted to wear his helmet oh and yeah so i would always constantly find this helmet lying in the middle of the floor and his bike gone and i'd look and i'd see this two-year-old kid in diapers r riding his run bike giggling his head off and I'd be like, buddy, you got to wear a helmet. And he never wanted to. So to remedy that, I used to strap his helmet to the front tire because he couldn't undo the buckle for the helmet. Oh, hilarious. And so he couldn't ride his bike without putting on his helmet. And so he tried it a few times and then he'd be like, Papa. 
And I'd come and I'd be like, here, buddy, helmet on your head, strap it in. You're good to go. And he'd go riding. But now it's funny because he holds us to that standard now too. So if we're at a campground and it's like dinner time and I jump on my bike to go grab him, he's like, Papa, you're not wearing your helmet. And he calls other adults out for not wearing the helmet while riding a bike. And so it's a really cool thing of just leading by example. And so I'm very conscious now that if I'm going to do any sport and I'm not wearing the correct protective gear, um, that I have to rethink that. And even if it's more convenient or if it's uncool or whatever, if I'm going to the skate park, I'm going to be the adult wearing full pads, even though there's, yeah. there's you know, teenage kids basically skateboarding and just board shorts and bare feet. Like I'm going the opposite way. And, you know, like, and it's, it's, it's embarrassing. It, I find it embarrassing, but it I, is. I'm with you. I it do, is. I put the pads on. It is. It is. It is super embarrassing and something I wouldn't have done as a teenager. Yeah. But now it's like, if I expect my kids to wear helmets and pads and stuff like that, then why wouldn't they expect me to as well? hundred percent. Right? And they do call you on it. Oh, um, totally. Yeah. And actually the, yeah. the other, the other week I was not wearing elbow pads and I did fall off the skateboard and I have a loose chip bone in, my, in one of my elbows now. So that was a lesson. Oh, yeah. And also just, you know, to educate them as much as we can about, for, so they can make the, 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 you know, decisions on their own rather yeah. than us making the decision for them to protect them. Yeah. Right. And, and I know at, at a later stage, we're going to have to that have to have that uncomfortable conversation about alcohol and drugs and sex and, you know, all those kind of things. And for me, my dad was always super awesome because it was always, he was completely open to talking about all those kind of things. So when I was, you know, becoming sexually active, condoms were not uh, like a, a taboo subject and I could talk to him about it and, you know, about all those kind of things. And it was really great to just have that education, to make that, to make the best decisions, because for him to say, don't ever have sex, you know, cause you could, you know, this, this could happen, like it would just be ridiculous. Right. And so just to educate, you know, my kids. And so that is like right now at this stage, it's like, okay, I'm not going to tell you what you can and can't do on your bike, but at least wear a helmet and be, you know, and yeah right like be somewhat safe i manage my risk pretty well now as a dad i gotta say yeah we had we had like a, a some friends of ours um they just lost their partner the the father and um this was a few years ago and i remember going to to the funeral and it was a very sobering moment of i want to be there for my kids and i don't you know what i mean and and part of that is making good choices for what i do now as well and because I, you know, would make some reckless decisions sometimes and it's fine when you're just by yourself yeah, right? and you're on your own. But now I've got, you know, a wife that, you know, depends on me and I've got, you know, kids that depend on me. And to also, yeah. that, that's kind of in the back of my mind too, is sometimes like, okay, is this, you know, is this, is this putting my life at danger for real, no, no real reason other than an adrenaline rush? Because yeah, totally. that's not really a big enough payoff anymore. Like Especially you, if you haven't got life insurance and we don't have life insurance. We keep talking about it. Well, we've got life out. insurance, but you know what? Like what good's life insurance when you're dead anyways? It's true. That is right? true. Like, yeah. Life insurance doesn't teach a kid how to skateboard, right? Yeah. That's good. So one. it's, yeah. you know, like just being there and, and like the sad thing is, is that, uh, you know, these friends of ours, like their child probably won't remember the father because they were too young when the father passed and, for me, right. I sometimes think about that, even if I'm driving on a sketchy road in the ice by myself, thinking like, okay, if I just slow down a little bit, 
Yeah. It means it means I might I might make it home. All that being said, if you knew an expectant father right now, what advice, if any, would you have for them? Enjoy the ride, I think. Enjoy it. It's it's very easy to be freaked out and panicked and stressed out, but sometimes just sit there and be like, enjoy all those crazy things that happen. And it's really tough at the moment. And it's definitely speaking from like hindsight now, but uh, yeah, I think enjoy it. Enjoy the adventure because all these things, all these little snippets, they last for a split second and then they're gone and really save, save, you know, savor them and enjoy them because they'll keep changing. And that little giggle and laugh that your kid used to do will change, you know, and the color of their hair will change and I won't stay like that forever. So you really be there and, and enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, Seth's now seven, but Indy's already two. And I feel like I blinked over the last two years. Yeah. So you're right. I think you're right. It's enjoy it, isn't it? Yeah. Cause it's a yeah. magical thing to be a parent. Mm-hmm. It is. And I never, I, I never said, Oh, I wish I, you know, I wish this, was over now like the diapers i wish diapers was over as much as a pain in the ass as like changing diapers and we used like cloth diapers um and oh, to you buddy Good it was effort. like anna's like if you're going to do that because i'm a bit of an environmentalist she's like yeah, you're good for you. you you're doing it right you're you're and i used to have a bucket that i'd be like scraping wow out and Dude. It, was, it, was, it was terrible it was really terrible but you know like i never thought to myself i can't wait for this to be over because Along with that came so many other beautiful things, you know, and that, that phase of life, like I look back on photos right now of my daughter, you know, when she was in her diapers, like the cutest little button. And it's just like, wow, like that, that that's, that's gone. You know, that, that time is gone. Oh, I'm having I'm, that now. Yeah. And I'm glad, I'm glad I was there for it. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's the thing. You're never going to look back and regret the time you spent with your kids. Exactly. And I can't see, I'd, I'd look back in the same way and think, about earning a ton of money and spending a ton of time away working. It's just not, yeah, I wouldn't look back at it in the same. I think you can't, you're not going to regret. I'm not going to look back and regret that I didn't go and earn loads of money when I yeah. could have spent time with my kid, like hundred percent. And then for me right now, that's kind of where I'm at with my career and stuff like that. It's like, you know, my career can take a bit of a backseat. I'll try and kind of limp it along while my kids are young, but really um, I don't want to, have an amazing career and not have a relationship with my kids. But yeah. you know what's you know what's cool though? Dads are a lot radder, I find these days. Like you think about like my our parents' parents, they didn't do really any any kind of crazy kind of stuff. It was very like go to work, come home, go to work kind of. And maybe that's a generational thing. They just didn't have, you know, the luxuries that we have today to and all the distractions and stuff. Hundred percent. I kind of think: Are we just big? Are we big kids or rad dads? And I like. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think we're. I don't know. It depends on the perspective, though, doesn't it? It's different worldviews, and you know, I. I think we're the rad dads. I think we're the dads that, the kids will grow up being really glad they spent a lot of t- quality time with us. Yeah, and, uh, I think it's also. No, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say nothing against you know the way that I was raised, and my dad was doing the best that he could. Mm-hmm. for his generation which was working and being you know just mm-hmm. providing for the family putting the bread on the table kind of thing mm-hmm. but i think now that we have maybe we're a pro i wonder sometimes if we're some of us are a product of that upbringing well we just don't want that we want to be spending time with our kids because we our dad wasn't as available as we might have liked right yeah that's potential that's, that's potentially true yeah yeah i don't know 
but I even think about you know with my upbringing, like it was it was a pretty I had a pretty good pretty good upbringing. I have no complaints. Um, yeah, same. But but I think you know like even me as a parent now, I want to kind of take what I've learned from my dad and even try to better that, right? And I hope totally. I hope when Lincoln and Gemma, when if if and when they become parents, they try and take what they've learned from me and try and better that again, right? Yeah. And so that's just yeah. I hope everybody just keeps trying to be better parents really you know yeah be a better human and by being a better human hopefully we have a great impact on our kids yeah it's yeah, kind totally. of my hope cool man well Mo, so great to talk to you and um i'm really looking forward to uh, well maybe see you at the ski hill soon but if not yeah yeah it'd be great, to, great to hang out yeah. socially no let's do it okay we'll be in touch and now for a check-in with my favorite psychologist and fellow dad todd kettner uh so talking to mo he had uh he had a clear question that he you know would have liked to have asked if he got the opportunity so i'll ask that on his behalf we talked about scheduling and the heavy scheduling of for some kids it's very easy now there's so many activities available for kids you can have them in a program pretty much every day plus the weekend so does having your kids enrolled in multiple extracurricular activities so you get with that full schedule does it impact their creativity and something that I always thought was true, I've, I've heard anyway, is that boredom, is, boredom inspires creativity. And so for it's good for kids to be bored sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Bored in the right environment and you can schedule in boredom, right? We go backpacking with our kids sometimes because uh, we know there's no Wi-Fi up at Kokanee Glacier, right? Uh, yeah, there you go. You know, there's, there's no skate park, there's no bike park. And they build little houses and invite the fairies into their, you know, cedar roofed house. They uh, put rocks together and build a fort in a cave, right? So, yeah. um, yes, there's a danger of overscheduling. Um, I think we have to remember that all those activities that uh, um, when we're able to either afford or schedule in or whatever for our kids, that enhances creativity too. And we can, you know... Um, once again, it's balanced because we can schedule in that boredom time, right? And like we don't that. necessarily have to advertise it to the kids. Yeah, we just kind of do it, right? And yeah. um, find places where find uh, times where um, they're away from the electronics or away from, you know, a gaggle of kids to learn to be okay in the quiet and to, as you said, um, inspire creativity from from silence and from um, slowness. Uh, yeah, I like that. What you say about the slowness in respect of time and nature. But yeah, I hadn't, wasn't quite thinking about the electronics, but it's true. Time away from the electronics as well, not just the activities that we put them in, but also that time on the screen, uh, which is, yeah, almost gives you no time to be bored at this point. Is there a, so is the, would there be an age where you, is there any kind of age where you think a busier schedule is better or, you know, by the time they're six, maybe it's better for them to be in lots of activities. Can you do it too young or is it really the same answer for the, regardless of the age? I think I have a question more than an, than an answer. I think if we ask ourselves as parents, what part of who I am today or who I have been um, do I want to pass on to my kids and what part am I hoping not to pass on in, in, in a strong way? And we'll probably realize, um, you know, that 
we haven't been present at times in our lives because of A, B, C, or D. Um, how much time or energy we're expending on various things, work, you know, activities, you know, dead end relationships, whatever it is. And that will probably give us the answer to what we want to model to our kids and set, set them up for. Because each, you know, each kid is different. Each parent is different. Each living situation is different. Sure. Yeah. I like that answer. That's a, uh, yeah, that's got me thinking. You got me thinking that. Well, you've got me thinking a lot with all these questions there, Blue. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, thanks so much, as ever, for taking the time. Um, yeah, yeah, not at all. Look forward to connecting again. Okay. Uh, let's yeah, do this right. again. Yeah, let's do. Because it's always, okay. always great to chat. Okay, man. Okay. See you, Blue. Thanks for joining us this week on Dad Without Borders. A full list of episodes can be found at dadwithoutborders.com. And for updates, follow on Instagram at dadwithoutborders. You can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Google, or radio.com. While you're at it, if you enjoyed listening or you know any dads that might find value in this show, please share the podcast with your friends. Dad Without Borders will be back next week with another dad and further insights with Todd Kettner.